Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the episode of Swings of Video Draft Podcast, podcast the high ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined us by the great Cooper Klein. And this is going to be a, a duo for the foreseeable future for at least a little bit. So um, we, we'll have something come in a little bit where uh, we'll talk about the future of the pod. But for now, I think we just want to do something fun. We wanted to get back into the grind. Coop and I have been talking. We took a pretty sizable break from hoops, honestly, uh, with the job search and with school and all that type of stuff. We were like, we need just a little bit of time off after the draft hit and took it, felt good getting a breath. But now, you know, expect some weekly stuff from us. We're going to be here all the time. And, you know, we're a draft pod, but part of the draft is kind of post-draft evaluation. And that doesn't just mean rookies. It means watching the NBA. It means understanding the development of young players. And this is something I'm still trying to get better at. I, I don't think I'm great at it i think coop's a little better because he has a team that he follows religiously where i kind of don't have that i more just watch the nba on any given night um but i've tried to get a little better i did i did a lot of research for this pod so i'm pretty happy with where i'm at uh but we're gonna rank uh players 23 and under um but before we get too into it i'll explain the rules of how we do things why we did the cutoff at 23 but before all that coop my friend how you doing I'm I'm doing well. Uh, it's weird not to have, you know, just have it just be the two of us, but uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been 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 a minute and I finally was able to recenter, uh, you know, do a little bit of of uh, of work again. You know, I feel like I feel like I have a reason to do stuff again, which is nice. Um, and I'm really just ready to make fun of your board at this point. Uh, and inflame you and just expose you for being a casual. So this is uh this is my dream come true. Uh, so let's let's just hop right in. Just just so just so we're clear here, Coop has a clear bias and I don't. So I just want everyone to be on the same page that Coop is is a biased hack, and I'm I'm doing this from the perfect centrist point of view. So just so we're just so we're clear on this. Um, let's talk about. Under 23, I think a lot of times you see under 25, under 24. We chose under 23 specifically because we feel like 24, 25 is where A, players kind of start to hit their primes, but it's also where players start to get paid a little bit more. There's some players who are on this list who have already, you know, played their first year on a max contract, but for the most part, the guys on this list are just now getting that contract or haven't even come close to that contract yet. Um, and 23 is kind of where I still feel like there's a lot of potential. Uh, and we, we kind of discussed this number and I think something that really helps flesh out why we chose 23 is just by looking at who recently graduated. For instance, if we did 25 and under Luka Doncic could be on this Shea Gilgis Alexander, Trey Young, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., those two just barely missed out, as did Darius Garland. Garland missed out by just uh, days, days. So the way the way uh, 23 season works on basketball reference is it's, the cutoff is February. If you turn 23 or if you turn 24 in February, then this next season is your age 23 season. But if you turn 24 in January – it's your age 24 season. And that seems a bit arbitrary, but no matter how we were going to draw this line, it seems a bit arbitrary. So that's just where, kind of where we chose to draw it. And, and I hope as we kind of dig into this, you'll see like the, the, the age we chose really does paint a picture of kind of the young 
up and coming superstar talent, which is what we were going for. We didn't really want to talk about very many established superstars. These are a lot more guys who even like the even the best ones, the ones who have already proven that they're really, really good, still feel like they have that little bit to grow and to prove and to really kind of determine where on that superstar spectrum they fall. Um, Coop, is there anything you want to add there? And, and if not, you just kind of want to take us through your process of how you built this list. Uh, I don't really have anything to add to the age. I think you, you really hit the, the nail on the head there. Uh, 23 is just like right before. If you're an older rookie, then you only have like a year or two before you get past that mark. And that feels pretty fair. Whereas if you're super young and you're about to, you know, hit your second contract. That's about when you're 23. So it, you know, uh, it gets rid of the the ancient guys, the the dilfs, and it gets rid of, and it keeps guys who are still pretty young and still have a little bit more room to grow in there. Uh, my process for this, I mean, we we tried to do it around most likely to help you win a championship, right? Long term, it's not just this season. Uh, it's not just like who's going to help you win the most games right now. Uh, and it's also like who, who projects to be able to fit well with other players. It's not just who's the best in a vacuum. It's a lot of different small stuff. And, and that's how you win a championship is by taking into account all this small stuff. Um, and I, I think it'll be a really um, interesting exercise. I can see your list already. So I, I can already see that it's going to be uh, more interesting than I thought. But uh, I I did it a lot more around how you fit with a lot of different players. I think that things like lineup versatility um, and I like how, how you mix and how you make other guys look better. Uh, I, I think that really, really matters to me. And I also didn't take into account injuries like at all um, because I'm not a doctor <laughs> um, as much as like, Everyone wants to sit and talk about, oh, you know, all these guys, you know, Zion and Cade and, and Chet, they're all just hurt all the time. That is the most boring conversation. If we just sat here and we're like, well, well, actually, I have Cade ranked at 20 because he was hurt this year. And it's like that is the most boring <laughs> discussion that accomplishes nothing. Right. Like as far as hoops discourse goes, that is useless. Or like Zion's really good. He'd be the best on this list if he wasn't hurt all the time. Like, oh, wow, you've only ever heard that. Every, literally everywhere else that talks about young guys uh you know we're here to talk about them as players and i, I don't really care if you're only going to play 40 games in the regular season if you're going to show up and if you can get healthy kick ass in the playoffs and help your team win a championship right so i just didn't factor it in at all i, I don't think it's super helpful and i think that we've been pretty consistent with this approach as evaluators uh, like we've done this with all the drafts. We try not to take that stuff into account too much. And uh, I, I hope that we are at least semi-consistent uh, here. Yeah, so I, I tried to factor in injuries a little bit in terms of, you know, uh, uh, availability being the best. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I knew Coop would not enjoy that. Um, but uh, I factored in a little bit. But at a certain point where I come down on this is that if someone is going to miss a whole season, but the season they're healthy, they might be the best player in the NBA. It's still worth waiting that as that's like an MVP championship swinging piece. And my thought process with everything in basketball, everything is that banners fly forever. And it is worth doing 
whatever possible to get even just one championship because you know you you could probably ask toronto fans they might spend the next 15 years in misery right like just mediocrity whatever and if you ask them is that all worth it you know for that one 2019 run that magical run i bet they all say yes um and i've someone you know i've I, uh, i've grown up my whole life the only team i've really ever truly cared about that's at the professional level is the mariners uh they've made the playoffs one time in my entire life um i would go through another 35 years of them never making the playoffs if we could just get one ring uh i i really believe that and that's just kind of how i put everything so in, in terms of factoring and in injuries i did a little bit because i do think in, in the nba more so than with like how guys are discussed coming out of college there's clearly a track record they're like one person in particular who's going to be probably the biggest hub for debate uh, of people, not us on this list. You and I, I'm guessing you're going to be very similar on him um, is Zion Williamson. And, and, you know, he'll, he he's missed whole seasons and does that suck? Yes. But when he's been healthy, he's been one of the most unstoppable forces I've ever seen in my life. And I still buy that. I still think like, if you gave him a healthy playoff run, good luck to other teams, because if you give him a spaced floor, like, he is like a walking 75 true shooting. Like that's insane. That is just not something you see. And that matters to me. Like that is the type of guy who, even if he misses 40% of the season and they walk into the playoffs as the sixth seed, they could still fucking win the championship if he's healthy. And that is something I really do factor in. So let's just get into it. Let's start with the list. Coop, I broke this down into tiers. I know you did too. Do you want to give me your tier one? Yeah, I... Uh, we actually have the same top tier, uh, which is like the the guys who are just completely game changing. And uh, for me, it's at one Victor Wembanyama, and at two Zion Williamson. Um, you know, a game and a half of bad summer league play has not uh, fundamentally changed my view on Vic. Uh, that Spurs summer league team was kind of disgusting, and like he played in a better league against better competition with better players in France and. Uh, kicked absolute ass. And I think he's going to come into the league with like a pretty decent, like surrounding cast with the Spurs and uh, be really good. (laughs) Like he'll have games where he struggles and as everyone does, but it's really hard to like, you can't take anything away from Vic. He's still so big. He's still humongous. Like worst case scenario, he's just the best big man in the league. Uh, at a certain point because he's like the perfect pick and roll guard or pick and roll big and can do so many different things. Uh, and then you already talked a little bit about Zion, but I mean, legitimately had like a 28 points on 29 on on 69 true shooting. That was mostly self-created where he was the point guard and still like he'd get blocked all the time and get his own misses. So he, like he's still a great offensive rebounder off of stuff like that. So that number is kind of like a little bit deflated by the fact that like, you know, he did have some issues, but he's just so physically dominant that it just didn't really matter. Uh, that one season of healthiness is just absolutely absurd or the mostly healthy season. Uh, and I think like what, like you said, I think just if you can space the floor and give him a ton of stuff to like pass out to shooters and make those simple reads that's game changing. And that is way more valuable. Healthy Zion is more valuable than anybody else on this list. So it's, it's as simple as that. 
Yeah, so I, I again, you mentioned we had the same top tier. Victor Wembanyama at one, Zion Williamson at two. I think a lot of people would call us crazy for having a rookie at one, um, even if that rookie is Victor Wembanyama. Um, but what I'll say is the rest of this, the rest of this list is not really inspiring in terms of like, oh, this guy's definitely good enough to be the best offensive player on a championship team. So I'll take someone like Wemby, who I believe comfortably will be the best defender in the NBA for at least a five, six, seven year stretch. And that's saying something when you consider some of the other guys we're going to talk about on this list. Um, he's mobile enough to switch when need when need be. Uh, he's probably the best rim protection prospect ever. Um, he just does everything you want defensively. Um, I think that really matters. We've seen it for those, like it, it doesn't often get talked about enough because we talk so much about offense in the playoffs, but AD was the reason the Lakers made it as far in the playoffs as they did because he was so dominant defensively. He was good offensively, but he was dominant defensively. He had one of the best two playoff series I've ever really seen defensively this year. It went really under discussed. Um, I think Wemby can do that. Uh, he is a truly, truly special defensive player. Um, and that's on top of the offense just being incredibly versatile. While I'm not confident that he could be the best offensive player on a championship team i do think he can be close to that maybe the second and just be one of the best play finishers in basketball i think he is again one of the best role men prospects ever like his catch radius his kind of quick leaping his touch is all really good he's also you know projects to me to be a pretty great short roll passer he can obviously Pop a little bit. I, I have some, I think he's eventually going to shoot. I have some worries about to what degree he can shoot, but even if he can only shoot a little bit, he can attack a closeout. He can put the ball on the ground and make good decision. Um, He's a pretty good passer at this point. Uh, You know how that's used. I'm interested to see Uh, the Spurs are a great place for him to develop that as with some of the other guys on that roster who we might talk about in a little bit, but you know, I could absolutely see him uh being, the best player on a championship team multiple times over. And there's not really anyone else on this list. I would say that about other than Zion Williamson. And, and you, you said it perfectly, right? Where it's like when healthy, he's still that guy, um, you know, and he's only played what 104 total games in his career. But if you look at things like his overall true shooting for that, um, his, you know, his per 36 stats are all insane. Uh, the one healthy season he had, he averaged 23, 29.3 points per 36 minutes with four assists on, I mean, a pretty insane, um, 64.9 true shooting with a 51% free throw rate. Um, I, I, like I said, if he gets to the playoffs, um, good luck guarding him. Uh, and, and that's really all it'll take. And, and do I love the Pelicans roster around him? No, but that's not what we're ranking here. Um, I'd be desperate to see him just like healthy and with good shooting. Um, you know, I think Brandon Ingram's like a fine secondary creator next to him, whatever. But uh, in general, that's my top tier uh, because those are the only two guys on this list who I'm comfortable saying, yeah, that that someday can be the best player on a championship team in most situations. It, in general, your championship teams are led by a top three to five player. I would say that's the general kind of gist of how it goes. If you even go back, you know, uh, it was obviously Jokic, probably the best player in the NBA. Then it was Steph, top three. Giannis, top three, if not the best. LeBron, when he was still court, sort of at the top, but that team also had AD. 
Uh, you know, kind of going back every once in a while, you'll get this team that kind of sneaks through without that top three player, but it's pretty rare. And those are the only two guys I can see when they're healthy, comfortably saying that's a top three player in the NBA. That's the best guy on a championship team. Cooper, are you with me? Or with this next group of guys we're going to talk about, do you think there's some guys who are also, you know, that could be the best player on a championship team, or at least that you're confident that that's a, that's an outcome. So there's three guys who I would say after that, that have that potential, but it's much less likely like Wemby. I mean, obviously we've seen it in another league, but just the game change, like we've already seen the defense, right. And the offense, if it comes around to even passable, then he is that guy Zion. We've seen it in spurts. Uh, The other three we've like, it's a lot more about projection. So I have them in a tier below. Uh, And if you're cool, I'll just hop into those three guys. Uh, it is, I, at three, I have Amin Thompson at four, I have Cade Cunningham and at five, I have Evan Mobley. Um, I think Amin is the guy in this group that I see as like the next guy up in terms of, uh, like top five player in the league potential. Uh, like we just haven't seen it. So he's stuck down in this tier instead of up with Wemby and Zion, but I really like, he's the best athlete in the league currently (laughs) and he hasn't played a game yet um and the defense i mean the potential there is you know game ending just so much versatility he fits with every single type of player on defense and makes everybody's everybody else's role and lives easier um and the same kind of thing goes for Cade, where Cade's another guy who's been hurt a lot and you know that i'm not going to hold that against him right now uh, I do really want to see him healthy for a full season and, and then reevaluate because, you know, when he has been healthy, the shots looked really bad, uh, but everything else has looked incredible. I mean, the defense has been great. Like he's been like a real NBA defender, despite being like 20 years old and on jank knees, which is really impressive. You know, great playmaker, really creates advantages, keeps him for himself, uh, you know, can really run a pick and roll. He can still do all the Cade Cunningham stuff. It's just, if the shot isn't there, I don't think he's in this tier. Uh, The shot was really what elevated him in college to that next level for me, because it allows him to both play on the ball, play off the ball on offense and, you know, still be solid defensively and and fit next to all these different kinds of guys. Uh, I have Mobley at the bottom because of the offensive worries, but the defense, like you talked about with Wemby is, uh, is game changing. Like he is a truly dominant defender already. And uh, I, I think once he gets moved and he doesn't like Allen is helpful because Mobley shouldn't play the five full time right now. He's just too skinny. I don't know if he'll ever like if he ever ideally plays the five full time. But I think ideally you don't want to be, you know, giving up 20 percent of your cap to that guy who you probably don't want on the floor very much with Mobley come playoff time. Uh, I think he's best utilized at the five and the shot hasn't looked great. The touch has been incredible. I still buy the shot long-term because of just like the God tier touch that he has. He can put the ball on the deck. He just doesn't really draw closeouts. Right. And that's kind of a worry for a guy who right now is a four and doesn't play on a very well-spaced roster outside of like the two guards. But I, I really like Mobley's like defensive dominance. There's not, as much offensive versatility or like two-way versatility as the other two. And that's what has him lower. Uh, I think if Cade comes out in the shot, 
is is like still looks bad. Like even if the numbers are bad it, and it looks good, I'll be okay. But if the shot still looks bad, I, I'll probably move Mobley over him pretty easily. I think just Amen's versatility and how he fits with every single player ever uh, has him at the top of this list for me right now. And, and I think that's fair. And, and you convinced me a little bit to move Amen up and we'll say, so I actually have four guys in this tier versus your three. So I, I do want to have a conversation about the last guy in a minute, but first I'll say, so at three, I actually do have Ed Mobley at the top of this tier um, just because I think he's the most proven guy. And I do value that a little bit. He's the guy who I think it's easiest for me to be like, he is someone who is going to contribute to championship teams. I feel like I'm, he's the guy I'm most confident to say that about his ceiling quote unquote is probably the lowest of this whole group maybe, but I do really buy it. Uh, just like he's going to help teams win for a long time. Um, he's also had the best health of anyone in this group other than maybe Paolo, who's at the end of this group for me. Um, but with Mobley, I, so there's a couple things. I, 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 part of me does like in the back of my head, it's like, are there diminishing returns just because even as good as he is defensively, he's not going to be the best in the league because Wemby's on in the league, like by the time they're both kind of in their strong primes, like that's maybe unfair, but and it probably is unfair because there was a time where, you know, like AD and Draymond Green were both like the two best like playoff defenders in basketball and they didn't their returns didn't diminish just because they weren't the absolute best. AD's issue is just he wasn't on a good enough team for a long time. Um, so, you know, I hope things kind of work out with the roster around Mobley. I like that Cavs team, but I'm with you in general. Like, Jared Allen is not the greatest fit in terms of closing minutes. And at a certain point, bigs are hard to trade for wings. Like, that's just kind of how it goes. Like, that's why Demonis Sabonis was so hard to trade. And and that's obviously a team that doesn't need to trade for like a big for a guard because they have two really good guards who can't play with another guard. So interesting how that roster shakes out. But in general, Evan Mobley's a three for me. I just think he's really good. Kate is another one who's been hurt. And this is probably us going out on a limb a little bit, but there was a time where he was one of my favorite prospects ever to watch. And I would make the argument that he is one of the top three smartest players in the sport right now um you know it's him lebron and i i honestly don't even know like people underrate just how much of a basketball genius he is and yes the injuries have been tough the shot kind of regressing to its high school state has been a bit worrying but i still think he can shoot great pick and roll player um i just think like he just needs to get healthy and even when he's played recently like he kind of looked unhealthy and so as soon as he gets back to that level of health, I still believe in Cade. I still think he's a stud. That 2021 or yeah, 2021 draft class has sort of had diminishing returns so far. Like people really, really liked it. And the the first pick is underperformed because of injury. The second pick is underperformed because of um, you know, some other stuff that we'll talk about in a little bit. Because of Steven Silas. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll talk about him and probably have a big old argument about him in a little bit. Um, but I just I, I just still buy it with Kate. I just still think he's he's too smart. He's too big. He's too crafty. Um, there's just too much good to his game for me to not buy it. And like you said, he's already a plus defender too. Like he's another one where it's like he might not be the best player or, or the best offensive player on like a championship team, but I absolutely think he can be the best player because he's so versatile. He's so smart. And he's, you know, six, 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 seven. Like those guys don't come around all the time. Like that's just a really good player who I think is going to contribute to winning for a long time. 
Um, you convinced me I moved Amen up. I, I struggled with him the most because I did have Scoot, him and Scoot in the same tier draft-wise. But what I sort of realized was this was a different exercise. And I kind of had to turn like my brain dial to a different level a little bit. Because for me, this second tier specifically is about ceiling. And while I love Scoot, I think Scoot ceiling is meaningfully lower than Amen's. Scoot's an easier fit with a lot of guys, I think. I know you mentioned Amen fits with everyone. I understand that, but I also do think, like, Scoot is just such an obviously good player with such an obviously such an obvious fit in the NBA that Amen is going to take a bit more creativity with. Um, it's probably going to take some time to really figure out. So, you know, Scoot, I had in the same tier as him in the draft because I think some teams need that safer hand. Like, Portland probably... You know, I don't think it was a bad pick for them to take Scoot over Amen because they kind of just need like a steady shepherd to bring in this rebuild. Um, Amen, I think I think it's a bit more of an upside swing, but if you buy it, which I do, it's it could potentially be a dominant one. And he is probably the guy in this tier for me that is most likely to eventually knock up, knock on the the door of that next tier to get up there with Zion because I could see him. He's such a unique athlete he's probably the greatest athlete i've ever evaluated while also being a genius and that combination to me is just really intriguing something i'm really interested to monitor and uh, i think it makes him worth it here let's talk about paolo because i have paolo in this tier and you don't so i'll give the positive case first and i want to hear where you have him and and what your thought process was and having him below these guys so paolo is a little weird right he's kind of hard to get a great feel for because he was good last year. He was the best rookie, but he was inefficient. He kind of scored a lot, like, in the mid-range. He was doing a lot of, like, tweener, some weird creation, some play finishing. And and I kind of get that, like, I don't think he could be, like, a super high-level creator with, like, a high, you know, pick-and-roll usage. But I think he can be good at it. I don't think he's an elite off-ball scorer because I don't know how good the shot is going to be. But I think he can be a good off-ball scorer. And you combine that with just really high-level feel. And he's another guy who I just buy. He's 6'10". He can handle the ball. He's a pretty good passer. Um, he just does a lot of things. And he's not like the role is not super clear. You know, he's gotten some really bad faith comparisons to guys like Carmelo Anthony or, you know, weirder ones to guys like Aaron Gordon or Jeremy Grant or whatever. And I don't really buy any of those. To me, he is just a really high-level wing. Uh, forward wing however you want to describe it with the versatility to close games at the five thanks to his size and ability to play and drop so those two things kind of combine for me to make him worthy of this because he is almost the ideal second star to me like if I could pick any of these guys ever other than Evan Mobley as like I know I have my superstar in place who do I want to be the second scorer second secondary player who's a good defender who can space the floor make good decisions and also you know handle the rock a little bit it'd probably be Paolo for me so while I acknowledge that he probably has the lowest ceiling of this group I just really like how he could fit to next to basically anyone and he also has the ability to ramp up his scoring and be a higher level scorer with the ball in his hands but he's also shown that he's effective without it he can cut and he can you know pick and pop he can operate DHOs He's versatile positionally, offensively, defensively, just a lot that I really like. So, Coop, where are you at with Paolo? And, you know, not that I'm asking you to, like, shit on him, but, like, what made you a little lower than me, you think? 
So I have him in the tier below. Uh, he's only like three spots lower than you have him. Uh, we'll talk about who I have him below here in a minute. But uh, the worry is that, I mean, all the guys above him are to some degree two-way players. And like at least, like Mobley is elite on defense, like game-endingly elite. Um, and then Amon and Cade long-term are both like top tier on both ends. I think Mobley has potential to be like, one of the probably one of the five best offensive big men in the game, right? Like the, that combination, the two way versatility of all those guys uh, is really what has them there. So it's less about like what Paolo does like poorly and more like, like I think he's really good. And I think he's currently like incredibly good. Uh, my worry is that he's not like elite in any one area other than like free throw drawing. Uh, like, I think he's a real free throw tank. Uh, and I think the passing is good. I don't know if it's great or elite. I think like the scoring, the efficiency is kind of worrying for someone who is, you know, 6'10 and way more athletic than everyone he was playing. Like he can beat the guys who are defending him off the dribble. And his efficiency was like worse than rookie Jalen Green, who was like a stick figure, right? Like it... It, it is and he he's about that age like he's a little older um i worry a little bit about the defense i think it's kind of hard to fit him with another big man um like his fit with wendell who is really good and should be really easy to fit with is really weird um like he does kind of have to play the five in closing lineups when i don't know if you want him to play the five in closing lineups um i still think he's incredible i think like the potential like I, I really like these kinds of guys who are really good at a lot of different things or like just good. And I, I think it's really easy to go from good to great and not easy to go from bad to okay. So I, I do still have Paolo really, really high and I really like him. I just worry that like the game ending potential on either side of the ball isn't there. Uh, I, I think though, just like being a big man who is a creator and a play finisher, like you said, does make him a great second star. And that's why I have him you know, still in my my top eight, nine. Yeah, so let's move on to our next tier. And this is where things start to widen out for me. Um, and I have, uh, I believe, seven guys in this tier. I'll just read them off, and then I'll kind of go one by one. Uh, or actually, I'll read them off, and then I'll throw it to you. And then we can kind of discuss who is and isn't in this tier for us and why we have them ranked where we do. Um, so at seven, I have Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, at eight, I have Scoot Henderson. At nine, I have Chet Holmgren. At 10, I have Anthony Edwards. That's probably, one again, going to be one of my controversial rankings. At 11, I have Devin Vassell. 12, I have Franz Wagner. At 13, I have LaMelo Ball. Uh, just like with all these tiers, the rankings are fairly fr- fluid. But I will say that I'm not, like, there is a there is a limit to it. I'm not sure I would put LaMelo Ball above Tyrese Halliburton in really any construct. Um, so that's just kind of that's just kind of where I'm at. Coop, what's your next tier look like? So my next tier is Scoot Henderson, Chet Holmgren, Franz, Paolo, then LaMelo, Tyrese Halliburton, and Jalen Green. Uh, so I, you know, there, it's the same bunch of names. I think I just switched Anthony Edwards for Jalen Green. And uh, that's where we are. Uh, I do want to ask you, why do you have Halliburton and LaMelo so far apart when I, I actually have LaMelo above, above Hallie? 
I think that's a great place to start. So for me, I think the biggest thing is that I buy what Hallie does transferring to winning more than I buy what LaMelo Ball does transferring to winning. And what I mean by that is that in a vacuum, both are really similar, right? Both are legitimately very, very, very good shooters. They're, you know, big point guards, but both their games actually kind of seem more suited to play shooting guard to me, or like at the very least like combo guard, despite being great passers. I don't think either of them are good pick and roll ball handlers, Um, but they are great. They're both great passers. They're both great transition passers. Um, They're both inconsistent defenders to say the least. Um, So I think in a lot of ways, they're very similar, but I think the difference for me is that I just trust Halliburton a lot more as an off ball player and again, like I meant, I don't think either of them are good enough to be like the every down run a t- ton of pick and roll point guards on really good teams. I think they can do that for kind of middling teams or teams kind of creeping up into that, you know, mid tier zone. But in terms of, you know, when you start talking about potentially winning a championship, I think both of them have to be secondary guys. They have to be second side attackers or, you know, set up guys to then get off the ball, whatever. I just buy Halliburton more away from the ball. I think he is uh, a slightly better shooter. I think he's a better cutter. He's a quicker decision maker. They're both really, really good passers, but Halliburton is just a bit faster with his passes. And I think that matters to me. It's it's just the slightest things, but he's better enough at a lot of those little things that to me, it, it separates them. And Lamelo is younger and, and I understand that, but I'll also say like, like again, like, I don't think either of them are good pick and roll player. I shouldn't say good, but neither of them are great pick and roll players yet. Um, And I don't really trust either of them to develop into that either. I just don't think that's what their games are built for. Um, So I'll I'll buy the guy who I think is just a little bit better off ball, a little bit more effective in that realm. uh, And that's Halliburton. But again, like in the same tier, it's just a little different. Uh, But I'll also say like, I still think Lamelo's defense is really bad. And I'm still not like convinced that, he's good enough to be like a high level player on a really good team ever much less like i mean definitely not right now but i just like so much of his game still just feels to me just to be a little bit of flash over substance which you know i liked him as a draft prospect but i'm just not convinced of anything there being particularly um viable at the highest levels yet other than the jumper but even that, you know, it's like if the defense isn't good, what value is that? You know, the hit-ahead passing is great, but in the playoffs, teams, like, are good at taking that stuff away. So, I don't know. That that one's interesting to me. I want to shoot you a question, uh, and that's Franz over Paolo. And not you know, you already talked about Paolo, but just in general, like, what do you like about Franz so much, and, and what do you feel like his ceiling really is at this point? So, I feel like Franz is – like the best complimentary player in the league at like his ceiling who also like has some star qualities. He just like doesn't access them because he's too like, he's too programmed to be a role player, which is like, yes, it's a problem, but I think that I would rather have that guy than like, he's an elite defender, but then on offense, I do like, you're just, I think you're constantly going to be like, hey, I wish you would do a little bit more because you are talent-wise our best player. But I think that somebody that makes other guys better like that is just so hard to find, right? And he fits with every single player ever. 
He can play a bunch of different positions. He can do a bunch of different stuff. He can attack closeouts, run some second side pick and rolls. He does everything that you need out of a secondary slash tertiary guy while being skilled enough to like put the load on his back for a little while. Um, I like, I think skill wise, he could like be up there with like, I, I think Scoot and Chad are kind of like the two that like I would have above the rest of these guys. Like I, I think skill wise, he's up there. He just doesn't assert himself and like act like he is that guy. But I, I think just being a, it, it's kind of like when we, when a few years ago, when we had our conversation on Jabari, Paolo and Chet, where I, I argued for Jabari, even though by then I didn't have him one, but just like the perfect secondary or tertiary option is more valuable than the flawed primary option. Uh, and I think Franz is like so, so perfect at all the stuff that he'll, that he's asked to do at the NBA level that it's uh, like, it's really hard to, to, to have anybody above him. Like there isn't a team in the league that would have Franz and not start him and not have him be like a centerpiece of like trying to win right now already. And he's just going to continue to get better because he is so young and so talented already. Yeah, I mean a six a six ten guy who gets to the rim like he does, like I mean, just crazy impressive. He gets to the rim a lot. I will say, I wish he got fouled a little bit more. I can't remember exactly what his uh, free throw rate is, but um, I, I'll say too, like with Bronze, and I'm very high on him too. Like I I prefer Paolo to him uh, by a tier, obviously, and I have I have him at twelve, but like there's a world I'd take him over like Anthony Edwards. I almost felt a little peer pressure into putting Anthony Edwards at ten. I'm not gonna lie, I uh, I not a huge Edwards fan. I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, with Franz, I just think like there's even like more like ceiling to be unlocked with his defense. Um, I, I I just don't think that's really been shown to the level that I believe it can get to having watched him, you know, at Michigan and he's still really young. I mean, he is 21. He's going to turn 22 in a little bit, but he'll be on this list next year. He could very well make the all-star game this year and still be on this list next year. Um, I, I think he's the type of guy who, when things really click for him, when he starts to be like, okay, I can run a lot of pick and roll efficiently. These reads that I'm, I'm kind of slowing down to make get just a little faster. My defense takes that step up because, you know, I'm playing in a more coherent ecosystem around me. The jump could be like that. And it could be, he, he could go from where he is now to all NBA second team wing in a matter of months. Like I, I think he can get to that level. Um, and I'm with you, like in terms of building a championship team, he's like the ideal third guy and, or even second guy in some cases. And that really matters to me. And, and that's something I really buy. I probably had him too low. Honestly, he should probably be up there right behind, right behind Chad. I'll, I'll move him up. I'm talking myself into it. Um, just cause his game is so, is so fun. I want to talk briefly about Scoot and Chet. Um, Scoot, I, we just talked about when I talked about all men. He's just so obviously going to be like a high level point guard. Um, I'm not sure I buy the top end upside. Like, like I think his top end is notably worse than the top end of someone like a John Morant or, you know, guy guys of that caliber, because I think he's just a little bit worse of an athlete and he's not as creative as those guys. I think part of what made me a little lower on him was just that I, I wish he had just a bit more of that, like, uber creativity that extra oomph but i think he can like i buy that he's gonna shoot i think he kind of like a a a career comp i could see is like supercharged mike conley 
And I kind of like that. Like, he's better than that. Like, I think he'll be an all-NBA guy, that type of stuff. But, you know, just in just, like, you give him a really good big man. You give him shooters. You have him play off the ball next to an on-ball star. Like, he can do everything. I, I think he's going to shoot. I think he's just a really competent playmaker. Um, the on-ball defense, I don't think is particularly good, but he's a really good off-ball defender. Like, there's just a lot to like with Scoot. He's just so easy to see. I, I Like I said, I'm lower on the ceiling, but I might even buy him, like, being able to be the point guard on a championship team. Not the best player, but the point guard more than I buy like Tyrese Halliburton or LaMelo Ball being the point guard on a championship caliber team. Um, and then for Chet, he's a tough one to rank for me because I, you know, I had him in the same tier draft wise as Paolo. Um, and like, I didn't view him as like all that different from Evan Mobley in terms of like ceiling wise. Um, but I, I do think like he missed a year that year of development does matter. Um, and I, I think I like the defense a lot. I think it's notably less versatile than Evan Mobley and then especially Victor Weminyama. I don't think he's great getting out on the floor. He's arguably a better rim protector than Mobley, as crazy as that sounds, but um, I don't think he's as good out on the floor. He's as versatile. I think he's going to be a really good shooter. Uh, I think he can create for himself a little bit. He's a pretty quick decision maker, good passer. Um, just strikes me as someone who I want as my starting center on really good teams. Uh, though I do worry that like, you know, at the end of games, can he get targeted in isolation? Can teams draw him out on the floor? How does that look? But, you know, it's like a quote unquote three and D big who can also put the ball on the floor and make plays. Like I'm all in on that. The athleticism is a great, I don't think he's like an elite role man, like a Mobley or Wemby. He's so he's just kind of like a step below both those guys, but still really good. Still really buy him as someone um, I could see on a really good team. Um, Coop, let's talk about Devin Vassell. Um, and I'm just going to let you kind of give the sell because I'm sure some people hear him next to guys like Franz Wagner, Scoot, Hol- Scoot Henderson, Chet Holmgren, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball. And they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Devin Vassell, are you serious? Yes, we're serious. Coop, let's hear it. Yeah, so I have Dev uh, above Anthony Edwards in my next tier. Uh, he's like, it's really hard. I feel like I was peer pressured into having him at the tier break because like people do not get it whenever you talk about Devin Vassell in this range, but he is like a God tier, you know, defensive playmaker. Uh, he is everywhere. He covers ground like a madman. He is just everywhere. Um, like it, it is just absurd how much he, he is able to do on the, on the defensive end of the basketball. Like it, it mainly is like a lane shooter and he bothers guys with his long ass arms, but he's like, okay. Around the rim. He can make weak side rim rotations. He can do stuff like that. He can do everything great at the point of attack, great in the passing lanes, you know, great at the nail, uh, great as like a, a low man. He's just so, so versatile and then on top of that he's got like some real shot creation chops uh he can really shoot the ball you know 81.6 percent free throw shooter shot it uh you know 39 percent from three this year uh some of that self-created some of that is uh you know off you know as like just an off-ball shooter but he can really attack closeouts he's really been working on that pull-up mid-range jumper where he gets it at the three-point line and then he you know, pump fakes, you know, gets the closeout and he can still get to the rim. Like he's 
getting there. Uh, he's still he can finish score at all three levels, and it's slowly been developing. There's even been like some improvement as a playmaker. Like he can make basic reads in the pick and roll. You can use him as a second side guy. Um, I think he's another guy like Franz, but he's a little older, a little bit you know less of a sure thing. Um, you know where he is just like that perfect complementary player that every single team should be wanting to compete and you know to put next to your star players like if you had you know one of like Amen Cade or Scoot running a pick and roll and then Devin Vassell as your secondary guy that is like peak you know playoff into you know championship offense you know these are two and he can also like make some basic passes and you know allow other guys to play off ball uh he has that two-way versatility that you really really want he can play a few different positions and go small he can do a bunch of different stuff. He's he's just such a pain in the ass. And that's the kind of guy that you want on your team when you're really, really competing. Yeah. Um, I, I just really like Devin Vassell. I have him in this tier. I have him one behind Anthony Edwards. Uh, we'll talk about Edwards in a second, like I said, because I'm nervous about that. Um, but I think that uh he just is someone again who I just I think is really he's a starting wing on a championship team. I think, you know, he probably has less like all NBA type uh upside than someone like a Wagner uh but I I think he's one of the best defensive ground coverage guys I've ever seen I think that really matters in the playoffs you see a lot of teams have to do kind of that scramble defense especially if they're trying to switch everything uh we sometimes think of switch everything defense as oh well that just means like you have to be able to guard one-on-one but it's also important if you're switching everything that you have guys who can cover ground who can close out who can execute an x out and he's great at all that and then he can really shoot he can create for himself a little bit um you know i again you mentioned like elite second side attacker i think that matters um i think he's the second best prospect on that spurs team pretty comfortably uh even though a lot of people like sohan i'm, I'm all in on the vassell train uh, i'll talk briefly about anthony edwards listen anthony edwards does a lot of good things and he is the easiest guy like he's going to be a multi-time all-star all that stuff i get it i do still worry about how he contributes to winning i he has his moments, right? Like when he has like a big 35 point game, obviously that's going to help. That's gonna, in, in the playoffs. That's going to help your team win. But his defense is still really disappointing to me. I watched the Timberwolves play the Nuggets and he looked awful on the ball, but especially off the ball and off ball execution is so vital in the playoffs. And if you're fucking that up, like, and does it help that he's playing next to cat? Obviously not because cat is also awful at that, but it's really disappointing to me that he's still to that level and I still just don't buy him as a creator for others. Um, he just doesn't really have like a pick and roll game to speak of. He's an ISO player. He wants those step back threes. He wants to get by someone in a straight line and get on top of the rim. All that's fucking great. And like, I, obviously, like, it's great that he can get to the rim as much as he does. Um, what was his free throw rate this last year? I'm guessing it was pretty damn good. Um, he had a, uh, actually, why does he have only a 27.4 free throw rate? Like that's not horrid, but that's not. I think great. it's the the settling for jumpers stuff. Yeah, like so just, like he's he's too quick to settle for pull step back middies, you know. And that's obviously something steps. that can be that can be learned. But I also think like as good of an athlete as he is, and he is a he's a great athlete, he's not super bendy. Like he doesn't have that, like if I'm trying to get around someone, like it's he's a lot more herky jerky. He kind of plays, he kind of hoops like a football player in some ways. And like, um, you know, that has its effectiveness. And obviously when he does get a clean blow by, uh, he's going to try and put it on someone's head, but 
Um, his passing is still really behind. I, th- I find his passing very inconsistent. Sometimes he'll make he'll have a game where it's like, oh, he made some nice reads there, but then I'll have other times where it turns off. I just don't, I just don't necessarily buy him as like a top guy on a championship team. But I also think he is the worst bet of all these guys to be an off-ball player. He has to be an on-ball player. So like his role is like secondary score on like a ball stopping offense right like you know that that he'd be great on the clippers but on a team like you know if he was in denver he'd probably look really rough like and, and obviously you know fit isn't everything but i just i'm just lower on anthony edwards and i just don't i part of that's aesthetics like i don't love his game i think he's a pretty poor decision maker um there's obviously some upside there and i think he like i said he's probably going to be one of the most consistent all-stars on this list but I just don't give a shit about all-stars. I care about how much you are going to help your team win championships. And I just don't really see that for Ant. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully he proves me wrong. Uh, Coop, where are you at? So I'm kind of where you are. I think like the playmaking is really worrying uh, for somebody who like is like as, as focal a part of their team's offense as Ant is. Um, he's so like, overpowering physically and just like doesn't attack the rim a ton like he's got a great first step he's super strong he can just bully through guys but he just kind of doesn't um and that's kind of worrying and then the the defense is my big thing and and off ball play as well where he just kind of likes to stand around but i mean the defense he they (laughs) like people talk a lot about like oh cat and and rudy it's just such a poor fit and it's like well man ant is not making either of their lives easier because they have to build the entire defense around the fact that he just can't do it right like they have kind of used him as like an off-ball activity guy and when it works it's like oh great he's creating pick sixes and all this great stuff because he's you know the best athlete on the on the floor nine times out of ten but I just don't think that that's like winning defense and I I haven't really seen it improve, right? Like over his three years in the league, like he hasn't gotten much better at any of the basic stuff, uh, you know, that you want to see. And uh, I'm going to steer the conversation here to the guy who I have in this tier that you don't. And that is, I, I think in stark contrast, all that, all that stuff to, to Jalen green, who I think is a better athlete for one, uh, I think he's got a quicker first step. He's a little shiftier. He's faster, uh, but then also does actually get to the rim. Uh, he had a 34.1 free throw rate, jumped up nearly like 10 whole points from his rookie year. Uh, it kind of started to click there. He's improved as a passer. The defensive process got a lot better. He, you know, he got better on ball and the off ball went from like worst in the league to not the worst in the league. So you know, he obviously he's in a completely different situation, right? It's really hard to compare the two. Uh, and I think they'll always kind of garner comparisons because they're mega athletic two guards uh, who really make their name as their way as scorers. Um, but I think as much as Ant has gotten the spotlight and he's like a better scorer, uh, you know, he's done it in the playoffs, all this stuff. I think Jalen is a lot further ahead in a lot of other areas. I think he's a better shooter. Uh, I think he's a better passer. He's a, he's a way better off ball player. He actually moves off ball. He can cut, he can play as the other end of a DHO. Um, And he is, I I think he's a better defender as well. Uh, 
you know, it's impossible <laughs> to compare their two situations as defenders because they're, uh, you know, one team is trying to win and the other team was trying to get Victor Wembanyama this year. So you can't like sit there and, and compare the two. But I, I really think Jalen could be like a top, what, like top three off ball player in the league while also being like a 30 point per game scorer. Uh, you know, not like a great, like not like a plus playmaker, but he'll, you know, I he's shown that he can leverage the scoring to some degree and make other guys' lives easier because he's just so overwhelming with the scoring. And he's so like, he's such a handful to keep track of because he is going to move off ball. He is going to like get a clean blow by blow by and like hit you up while driving and yam it on your head. Like there's a lot more that he's shown. I think he's a better shooter and and more versatile and, and fits with more guys. And that's why I have him, you know, above Ant and a tier above Ant, honestly. Okay, so you're going to hate me, but I just don't think that Jalen Green is that good. And I, I said when he was coming out that I'm like, he is probably the best player of his archetype that I've scouted. And I still stand by that. I preferred him as a prospect to Anthony Edwards. But, um, Two years of basically lost development for me really matters. I think that's really hurt him. Um, I disagree that the process has gotten so much better. He's one of the guys who I really tried to lock in and watch some tape on before this because I knew I had to get this right because I had you. You and I were going to disagree about this. Um, I don't think the process is better with him as a playmaker or defender. I think it's all a fucking mess. And some of that is Steven Silas. Some of that's the mess of the roster. I get that. But um, even if that's the case, it's lost development if nothing else. Um, I think the shot looks like worse than it did. Like he is just not taking spot ups the way I wish he did. Um, he is always looking to put the ball on the ground. And I just hate that. Like he's not a quick decision maker. He's not a quick processor. Um, we, when we had Matt on, I think he kind of said it best. Like right now he profiles more as like a sixth man scorer. And the value of those guys is just really diminishing. And um, you know, I, I, I don't buy him as an off ball player the way you do. Cause I don't think he, he has that type of feel. Um, I don't think he is like a great spot up off ball shooter. He kind of likes to put the ball on the ground. He likes to take him off the dribble. Um, his first step's still good. He still gets to the rim, but, uh, he's still built like a string bean. So it makes it hard for him to finish. Um, and you know, hopefully he's getting bigger and stronger, but at a certain point, like he can only get so big and strong. Like he's just not built like Anthony Edwards. He's not built to take that kind of harm. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think he's like, you know, 34.1 free throw rate, pretty solid. It means he's getting to the rim and obviously being skinny helps him get fouled. Um, 17.3 assist rate, uh, is okay. You like that? Uh, his turnover rate stayed the same. So maybe there's some, some process with his pick and roll passing. You kind of mentioned before that he's kind of gotten a pocket pass down on lock with, with Shengun. I like that. I still just don't know what it profiles as as a starter because I think the defense is so bad and I'm just not confident in anything in his game really translating uh, super highly uh, right now. Um, you know, uh, there's still obviously potential there because his first step is so insane. Uh, and that is one of the best like individual skills in the NBA right now. But I still think he struggles to capitalize on it. He dribbles with his head down a lot. Um, he predetermines his moves a lot. Um, and that stuff is just specifically in the playoffs gets really eaten up and if the defense is really bad and he's not a particularly good off ball scorer he's basically nothing to me on a really good team so while i while i acknowledge there's some upside there 
Um, I have him in a tier I have listed as unknowns, uh, and he's at 23 for me. So you and I are probably about the farthest part we're going to be on anyone. Um, Coop, is there anyone else in this tier you want to talk about? And if not, you kind of want to give us your next tier and what it looks like? Um, I don't. I mean, that's really the end of this tier for me. I only have two more guys left. I moved Devin Vassell up from the tier below. I talked myself into it. Um, but the last two guys on my list, I have Ant Edwards and uh, Adrian Griffin Jr. here to round out my top 15. Um, you know, we've talked about Ant. He's great. Um, there's still some worries there that kind of limit his top end upside. But this is where we'll get to talk about, uh, you know, the upside swings guy. I think that we're... Like, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, we're on, we're the only ones on AJ Griffin Island. Yeah, I know so many people who love him, but uh, we we are big fans of AJ here. And uh, I mean, he is like a world ending shooter uh, who, you know, can attack closeouts, uh, can make solid secondary passes, can like run a secondary pick and roll, get to the rim, great touch, great process, great feel. And, uh, you know, can still be a solid off ball defender. Uh, you know, people kind of talk about him as though he's this awful defender. I just don't think that's true. Um, and like he can play as the low man. He can play as the wing. He's really great off ball. He's just kind of slow on the ball because he lost some of his athleticism. There's also like the hints of stuff from high school where he was the best player in the country and dominated the glass, dominated at the rim, could drive, put his body into anyone. And he still got flashes of that stuff. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, you know, if AJ Griffin gets back to high school, AJ, because I, I don't think that's fully possible, but I think there's still some of that in his game where he can be this elite second side attacker, elite, like top five shooter in the league, who is just like an insane gravity well and can play off ball, can play a little bit on the ball and, uh, you know, can just absolutely nuke defenses as well as like hold up on the defensive end. And that's, you know, the kind of player that you really want is a second, third option. And uh, that's the kind of guy, uh, you know, we've talked about it. This kind of guy we really value. Yeah. So this tier is, is a bit more expansive for me. And I think I'm going to kind of fuck around with the actual, with the actual rankings uh, because um, I, I can, I can do that. I'm allowed. Um, so I think the guy I'm going to have at 14 is Jaden McDaniels. And that's just because he's the guy I'm most sold on right now being a, a juggernaut playoff guy for years to come uh and that's kind of what defines this tier there's not really a ton of guys in this tier where i'm like there's only probably one guy in this tier that i'm like they have a shot to be a true like star the other guys are just i i and, and this is you know we've talked about our value of guys we think can really contribute to winning in the playoffs um these are guys who i think are going to do that uh they might not be stars in the traditional sense but they're stars in one way or another so 14 i have Jaden mcdaniels uh just an elite off-ball defender i think he can shoot you know if he could just avoid avoid punching walls it would help him out a little bit uh he grew a lot as an off-ball player this year i thought just in general learning how to cut and play without spacing uh was really helpful for him i think mike Conley really helped to unlock his game um at 15 i'm gonna have tari eason uh i think eason is just that motherfucker uh, and i still buy that like I think he, I think there's a world he's the best wing defender in the NBA in uh you know a couple of years and that's something I really value um while also just being you know an insane energy guy someone who can make plays as a playmaker I think we'll be able to hit some open spot ups um I think he's kind of the second coming of Nick Batum in the best way possible 
Um, and I just, I really value that type of player. Uh, at 16, I'm going to go AJ Griffin. Um, I really like Griffin just for all the same reasons you did. Like, I think there's a world he could be the best wing shooter in the NBA. Great second side attacker. I think the defense can get there. Um, there's just so much to like in his game. And I also think, you know, we don't factor in uh, team fit a ton, but getting to develop as an off-ball player next to Trey Young, I think is huge for him. I think there's a world he starts by the end of this year. Um, and that really matters to me. I think he can really fill in well there. 17, 18, I'm going to go with the OKC boys, Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy. Uh, Josh Giddy is the is one of the guys here who I think maybe could take that step to like, you know, being a star in one way or another. I'm not sure I'm all the way there. I I, I think he's probably better as like a tertiary player, but the quick decision making, the passing, the shot has really come along. Uh, became a really good finisher this year. There's just so much to like, and he's one of the guys on this list who's already proven that they help teams win. Uh, he was probably the third best player on a team that almost made the playoffs this year. That matters. Uh, Jalen Williams, I just, I just really buy, uh, especially if he's a shooting guard, which it seems like that's kind of where he's leaning. Is like shooting guard, small forward type. Like if he's a full on shooting guard, if I feel like he can move that well, which I do, um, he's just bigger and stronger than most of the guys who are going to guard him, and he's excellent at using that strength another guy who's a really good passer really plus defender the shot looks good just does everything you want um at 19 i have trey murphy the third another guy i think he's one of the best shooters in the nba um so i'm in on that and then these final three guys i'll go quickly tyrese maxi jalen Duran, Jaden ivy um maxi's kind of already proven as like a really good scorer I feel like he's not particularly good at anything else right now. The defense is hit or miss. I've seen teams attack him a little too much for my liking in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's a fine defender. I think there's still like a chance for him to get better. Um, Jalen Duran, I really like long-term. I think he's just a really good big man. Uh, does a lot of things I like. Not super versatile and that kind of, you know, worries me a little bit, but uh, another guy who I think is going to be an awesome role man. It's a good passer and a really good drop defender. And then Ivy's the one guy I have here who is, to me, pure upside. You know, it, I still think there's a star in there. There's an all-NBA star in there. His for, his rookie season was kind of frustrating a bit to me, um, but he developed a little bit as a ball handler. And again, that athleticism is just really, really impressive. Coop, is there anyone here you want to ask me about or anyone who stands out to you, or do you kind of want to move on to some honorable mentions? So... Uh, the one that stands out or the, the two that stand out that like didn't, well, there's like, okay, so there's three guys on your list who didn't come close to like even touching my list. Uh, and that's Josh Giddy, um, who, I mean, came close ish, but there's just a lot like the defensive process is kind of garbage. Uh, the offense, I just really worry about how he fits next to better players. Him and Shea are a really weird duo and the numbers have been really weird. Uh, you know, as long as they play together. Um, Ed Shea is like the easiest star to play next to. Like, oh, you can drive over and over again, and I will just play off of that. And there's still been a lot of question marks, the athleticism. I mean, the shot's gotten better, but um, I just worry about a guy like that fitting with a lot of other better players. Um, and that's what kept him from being on my list or in my honorable mentions. Uh, Trey Murphy, um, elite shooter. Very tall, very big, great connector piece. Um, I just worry that there's not that next gear to go to like best, like one of the best seconds or tertiary options in the league. 
Uh, I think he's really, really good. He was a guy who almost he, he'd be up there for me, but I, I wouldn't have him this high. He's very good at basketball and pretty young. So, you know, he's he's quite good. And then Tyrese Maxey, uh, who I just worry is kind of really simple. And like he's a fine scorer, but he's not like super crafty, right? Like he's as a driver, he's very one straight line, one gear, hard as he can. And that's valuable. But then when you're also like really shit at defense, like when playing next to Embiid and like solid defensive infrastructure, I would say. I mean, Harden is is underrated. You have DeAnthony Melton. You have okay defenders on that team. And, you know, like a really elite defender on your back line. Uh, but Maxi is like actually shit on defense and it's kind of worrying. Uh, off ball shooting's great. I mean, he likes, sl- he, you know, slots in as that. But other than that, I just don't see him on the level of all these other guys. Um, he's, he's fine. He does his thing and he does it well. And, and he's going to be a valuable, you know, shooting scoring guard for a long, long time. I, I just don't think he's like that. Uh, and then, uh, are you ready to hop into the honorable mentions? I actually want to respond really fast. I actually think you might have convinced me on Maxi. Um, I uh, he's so hard for me because he's he's another guy who I like could have like a year or two where he breaks into like all NBA levels if he's given the keys to an offense. And like I think he's sort of like a weird. He's in a weird spot because Joel Embiid's not really a pick and roll big man. And even if he was, like James Harden's going to run those pick and rolls. So like maybe I still buy some of that. Uh, but I agree that, like, he seems very one-speed a lot right now. He's not a super crafty point guard by any means. He's not a great passer. Um, so I, I, I get what you're saying, and, and there's a world he moves down a little bit for me. Giddy, I think, is maybe our biggest disconnect. And and I get what you're saying where you worry about his fit with stars and, and all that. But um, he's another guy where I just think he's super smart. I think the shot will be okay enough. The defense is a big question for me, but he is also 6'9". Uh, and I think... Guys that big to me tend to develop more on defense. Like I, I think there's a lot of examples of guys you wouldn't expect kind of developing into good defenders over time. I mean, the one I could obviously bring up is Joe Ingles, who uh, reminds me a lot of Giddy in a lot of ways. Um, but even guys like Danilo Gallinari, like they didn't develop into good defenders, but they've developed into like passable defenders. And I think Giddy can do that. And, and I just think like his passing is almost underrated. Uh, it's quick. But it's also, uh, you know, he can pound it a little bit and 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 create and find more. Like it's versatile, very versatile passer. And a six nine, I just, I think that'll that'll figure itself out. You're right. Like the number six to Shea were not great, but I will say that I I really don't get Jalen Green over him at this point. But we'll save that argument for another day. Um, but yeah, so so Coop, I'll, I'll, who were like the closest honorable mentions for you? Let's get let's let's start with you because. I, I made a very long list and I, I won't go into all of them, um, but let's just hear some of your closest honorable mentions. Yeah. So I made, I have like six honorable mentions, seven honorable mentions here. And then uh, that's the only list I came up with. I only have like 21, 22 guys. You have like five bajillion as per usual, but uh, my honorable mentions, which aren't really numbered. It's just kind of like they're thrown here. I, it's, I, it changes by the minute. Who I would have where it's uh, Scotty Barnes, Tari Eason, Jalen Williams. Okay, see Jalen Williams, obviously. Um, Jalen Duran, uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jaden Ivy, and Alperin Shengun here make up my uh, my honorable mentions. Um, the one I think we're gonna have the big disagreement over is Shengun. Um, 
So we can just hop into that <laughs> real quick if you want to have that discussion. Um, yeah. My thing with Shingun, real quick, is I think the conversation around him is awful, right? Like I, I think he is a bottom five center defender in the NBA right now. And the passing is really overrated. And that's all that people talk about is the passing. And it's like, oh, he's a passing big and all this stuff. And I, I think he's a solid passing big man in certain circumstances, but I think he really thrives. And I, I think he is a top two DHO big in the NBA. And that's, I think, where this ranking comes from. Um, it's If you have a guy like that who has like an on-off ball guard like Jalen Green, uh, and you have a guy like Shangun who can get to the rim at will, super strong, super great score, efficient already around the basket against some of the NBA's best defenders. Like he's very crafty as a scorer. And I think this is what's missed is he is like probably the second, uh, the, the third best post score in the NBA behind Embiid and Jokic, right? And he is like truly dominant in that degree. And he doesn't like, you don't have to set him up. He can just take it from the three-point line and get there. If you have that and combine that with great DHO play, I think that's like a pretty good player in and of itself. And if you can get him to not the worst defensive center in basketball, that's a guy like that is pretty clearly a valuable guy who I think can start if he's like a 30 to 40th percentile defender. The worry is he's so bad right now that the defense will never get there. And and if that happens, I, I don't think he's a guy, but, uh, we're going to have him here and pretend he's seven feet tall now. And uh, he's learning to play drop under, <laughs> under the Rockets coaching staff. So who, who do you think the worst defensive big to ever win a championship is the worst defensive big to ever win a championship? I mean, we got to go back to like the, as 70s. like a starter, like, Oh, I'd have to look at in that. like, in like the somewhat modern era. Right. Like I just try and go through my yeah. head. Like, Jokic not particularly good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Jokic not a not really a good defender. The st- the stats of him because he's a good defensive rebounder. But if you, you just watch him, like he's not a like horrid, but he's not a good defender by any means. But other than that, I mean, you have to go back. Like that Raptors team had Serge Ibaka. I mean, you can't and Marcus Ole was very good uh, at that time. Um, you know, if you wanted to count the Warriors when they were starting like Javale McGee, but they obviously it- didn't close games with him. Like. Is it Tristan Thompson? Maybe. It's, and it's him or, or Bosch. <laughs> like, and Bosch, Bosch was, was okay. Bosch, Bosch was, was better than, than what Shengu could ever be. Like, so what I'm getting out of that, and this is obviously like conjecture, and we've talked about how we don't like to say, like, it's never happened before, so it can't happen again, whatever. I'm with you 100% that the passing is overrated. He is a very deliberate passer, which is nice. And like, obviously, he throws some fancy fucking passes. And when he has a post up, he's going to make a good decision. Like, don't get me wrong. He's going to throw some fancy shit, but he's not like a good, like, DHO pass. Like, like if you compare his passing to, like, Demonis Sabonis' passing, and I'm not even the biggest Sabonis guy, right? Like, I think there's a lot of issues with him when it comes to, like, being on a good winning team come playoff time. But Sabonis is a better out-on-the-floor passer to be comfortably. Um, and I just don't think that Sengun is ever going to be a good enough playmaker to make up for the defense. And you like post scoring has value, but I don't think he can really score outside of the post. I don't buy the jumper. Um, so I just think, and he's a good role man, but he's not like a vertical spacer at all. He's a good role man off of like a pocket pass, which again, there's value to that, but it's lesser value in my opinion than someone who can, you know, run a DHO or 
get on top of the rim as a lob threat or something like that. Like that's just not who Shengun is. And he's another guy, a lot like Jalen Green. Profiles to me as a really, really, really good sixth man uh, on a really good team or a starter on like middling teams. And that's just not a guy I'm that interested in. Like if I'm being honest, in terms of the, the parameters of this list, there are a lot, a lot of guys I would have ahead of him, uh, including guys like Keegan Murray, Onyeko Okongwu, Quentin Grimes, Moses Moody, Christian Brown. I can name a lot of guys, and they're higher not because they are 100% going to be better players, but because if my goal is to win a championship, I would rather have those guys starting. Um, and that that makes a difference to me. Um, my closest kind of uh, uh, um, uh, honorable mentions, Jalen Green was really close to this list for me. The 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 line between him and Ivy, I think, is fairly tight. I just think I prefer Ivy as a creator just a little bit more, and that's where the difference comes. Jalen Johnson was really close for me. Uh, I was not the biggest Jalen Johnson guy out of college, honestly, but I honestly think had I been doing that draft now, I would have been more in on him. Maybe that's wrong of me. Um, but I also just I like what I've seen from him. I think he's just a positive energy player, a pretty good passer, um, so he's there. I would have Jabari Smith here for a very similar reason that I had like Trey Murphy in the tier above him. I just think Trey Murphy's better at the defense and the shooting. But, you know, as, as much as we clown on 3 and D, I still think 3 and D is really valuable. And I think Jabari Smith is a good shooter. He's a good defender. I still think he can do really anything else competently. But sometimes that's all it takes. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy for me. And then a couple guys from this draft, Anthony Black, Son Wallace, Grady Dick, could all find their way into here. Keegan Murray. Um, I think Keegan Murray's maybe the one who's like most likely to take that jump to him and Jabari Smith are would be the most likely to take that jump into the next tier because I think those guys are fairly safe bets to be good playoff players. Um, Keegan Murray, I just wish was a little better defensively. Um, that was like part of his cell was three and D, but I actually thought he was pretty rough defensively as a rookie um especially rotationally and some of that is it's tough to be the four playing next to demonis Sabonis. like just to be completely honest like that's a fucking hard ask um that same thing is probably going to hit jabari smith luckily jabari smith has tari eason um but so just kind of where i'm at Coop, do you have any kind of final thoughts uh to wrap up your list and 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 just how you felt about this exercise and then before you go will you kind of give us uh you know reread your list so people can can write it down and, and so they want to know exactly how to make fun of us yeah so uh this was like really fun <laughs> um, like we we talked we were like we got to do something fun for this first pod back it allows for a lot of serious conversation but the prep is like fun to do you get to watch fun basketball you get to watch good players play you get to, you know, do a little fun listy thing. You get to give it a fun title. Uh, you know, you get to do the whole nine yards of a fun video, like uh, podcast while still being able to have, you know, pretty good debate, pretty fair debate, uh, you know, other than the Shingun thing, but it's okay. Uh, you know, this, this was like pretty informative. I think we both changed each other's minds a solid amount, uh, which I think is always fun. Like talking about this kind of stuff, having a, a rational conversation and, you know, changing how the other person thinks at least a little bit or like helping them realize what they were actually thinking in some, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, so my list, my top, it's like 20 something under 23 uh, is Wemby, Zion, tear break, Amen Thompson, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, tear break, Scoot Henderson, Chet Holmgren, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, LaMelo Ball, 
Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Green, Devin Vassell, Tier Break, Ann Edwards, AJ Griffin, and then honorable mentions of Scotty Barnes, Tari Eason, Jalen Williams, Jalen Duran, uh, Jaden McDaniels, Jaden Ivey, and Alperin Shangun. I think we'll put these up on the website as well if you want to go through. Uh, and you can read Bryce's 400-person list as well if you want to see that. Uh, so we'll have that all up on the website for you uh, if you'd like. I don't know if I want to put the whole list up because people are going to fucking kill me. Nobody's um, going to read it. They're just going to read the top 20. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll cut it off wherever you'd like. But uh, yeah, so for me, um, I, no, I thought this was a great exercise. And I think it's important as draft evaluators to occasionally – uh, check yourself and, and evaluate these guys' development as it happens. And I try to talk a little bit about their development. Uh, obviously, when you're talking about this many players, you can only get so specific. But um, this is this is where I'm at. I think I'm pretty comfortable with this list leaving it. So in my top tier, it's Wemby and Zion Williamson. Uh, those are, I have it listed as like future MVP types, uh, meaning that I think they can be the best player on championship team. Um, and then in the next tier, it's Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Almond Thompson, Paolo Bancaro. Uh, and then behind that tier uh, is Tyrese Halliburton, Scoot Henderson, Chet Holmgren, Franz Wagner, Anthony Edwards, Devin Vassell, Lamelo Ball. And then in my next tier, which is my biggest tier, Jaden McDaniels, Tari Eason, AJ Griffin, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, Trey Murphy the uh, Third, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Tyrese Maxey. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, uh, I I'm happy with this list. I feel like. So people have some disagreements. Uh, I just hope, you know, if you're going to disagree, listen to the pod and, and hear our thoughts. But uh, Coop, this has been great. Follow him at Ali underscore underscore Coop. Uh, you know, ask him for pictures of his cute dog because that's uh, that's that's uh, the, my favorite thing to do. Um, yeah, this has been the Upside Swings and Media Draft podcast. We hope we are ceiling. Thank you.